0: Back to Breachprint. Today we're talking about developers, specifically of Malfa game, working at Weird. We love you, and please keep making the.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of topics today. <laughs> James is great there, but all of this is we definitely did want to show our support for everything behind the scenes that's going on. I mean, we're just gonna be getting a bunch of brand new masters and stuff that are that's just been spoiled. And there's a lot of time and effort that go in there and through the sea of complaining that gets out there about things, which some of it we'll, we might talk about today, but our ode to the developers and the behind-the-scenes people is we love this game and uh, we think it's great. So we're going to do our best to
2: just show you what we mean by that today. Yeah, absolutely. yeah definitely the love for everyone who works at Weird, the developers, playtesters and everything. And uh, when we cover these topics, when realize that we have no clue about developing, just our ideas and thoughts, we want to put it out there, and uh, just kind of air, air some uh, opinions that we, maybe, who knows, maybe we could be developers. Weird, look us up.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, let's start things off. Talk about some of our favorite kind of keyword mechanics. So... Things that are common across a crew. Most of the models have either an ability or something distinct about them that makes them separate from all the other crews in Malfo Since we have two Neverborn players, I'll go ahead and let Scott pick first.
2: All right, well, I've been playing Malfo now since the Crossroads 7 came out, and uh, this is my favorite mechanic slash uh, Crew wide thing from both second and third edition. Uh, my first master, or one of my first masters I bought two at the same time, was Pandora. So, my favorite is the misery slash opportunist ability. Uh, I just love it. It's uh, it's a fun thing Uh it helps to learn about bubbles when you're playing the game, uh, allows you to mess with your opponent, whether it's the, their own their own conditions that they put on themselves or the ones you put on them, you can just really mess with people's minds. Uh, a lot of people say that Pandora and her crew are an MPE. She's a lot less of an MPE than she was in second edition. And I didn't play in first edition, but I heard she was really bad then. So uh, she has definitely been toned down, but I just I just love it. It's, it's so much fun to play with, uh, it gives you so much freedom and opportunity to learn new things, new tricks. Um, it's just it's my favorite i I can't i can't gush over it enough and uh, i just makes me want to go out and play a game of pandora right now but yeah that that is my favorite by far uh of any crew mechanic in the game uh dreamers uh lucid dream comes in at a second place we'll give him an honorable mention but uh yeah i just i love misery and opportunity just everything that and just to see your opponent go uh and and then roll their eyes and and uh ball up their fists a, as you uh take their plans and shove them down their throat. It's a good piece.
0: Well, Pandora, I think especially Pandora 1, she's an NPE but in the right way. And what I mean by that is she has clear flaws that are people can exploit. Um, but the first time you play against her, it's it's there's a very good chance you will lose very hard, like an 80 type loss. Um, But once you've played against Pandora, you know, a couple of times, you know, to bring Ruthless, you know, things. And there are definitely ways to play around her. Uh,
2: avoid the, uh, oh, I'm just going to walk and focus. And then Pandora yeah. looks at that and goes, that will be mine. Yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Learning to play with some Ruthless models so you can actually hit Pandora yeah. and Candy. Yeah. Hey, play with things that have triggers. So... You can't get the
2: reduction from candy mm-hmm. don't don't be talking about hitting candy you don't we don't <laughs> condone hitting little girls on this podcast. That's not a little girl that's a creepy little
1: poltergeist thing that's hiding in a girl's body.
0: You don't know that hiding in the strongest model in reborn faction
1: <laughs> yeah, uh I've listened to the fluff and read some of it as well that's that's not a normal little girl. <laughs> hey, this is a safe space. we don't judge here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah no Pandora's good uh if I played neverborn i i mean I think that design for that whole mechanic is is great um mm-hmm. i I'm gonna switch out of neverborn to bring up because I have lots uh I think overall the variety, because I actually took some time to look through all my masters again and then kind of scan through some of the ones I don't play anymore but uh I don't play much of Lynch anymore. I played him a lot in Mark 2, which was a different mechanic, almost, because he had this thing where you always cheat second and some other upgrades, but just the rig the deck ability is so fluffy for the crew and so effective on the table <laughs> that it probably has to be my favorite uh, mechanic they've designed in, into the game. Um, I mean, it, it fits the whole gambling aspect, uh, the whole cheating, so the whole part that you can cheat anyways in the game and then you're also rigging the deck on top of it, uh fits fits Lynch and just always seems I don't know, it's it's fun to be able to manipulate your deck and feel like you have that extra control. So that that's my top pick. And then in general, upgrade masters, um that toolbox type kit that you get and that kinda goes across the multiple factions because there's more than one. But upgrade masters are probably my second type of mechanic that is uh, my favorite. I'm just going to throw that out there too.
0: Yeah, and I think Lynch's mechanic is also a good example of a very powerful uh, kind of subtle and very complicated mechanic. On paper, and when you play against somebody who's done it a long time, it seems like you cannot win against Lynch. He's always stacked with just the right card, but um, if you've played against a newer Lynch player, you'll realize... Um, if they cheat the cards out of their hand, then, you know, problems start.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that early Lynch play where you just try to keep all the high cards in your hand automatically right. instead of knowing that, oh, if I keep this 12 on top of the deck or a second into the deck, because I know this action is going to be here, mm-hmm. uh, it saves your cards and hands to keep being able to rig and keep being un- able to go forward. So it's, it's not wanting to always hoard it, which is a great thing to for a call out for any newer lynch players out there. Um, sometimes it's, it's not just keep all the severes in your hand.
2: Well I also says yeah. I also play a little bit of Rezzers too using the Whisper, uh, being able to and rig the deck gives you a little bit more flexibility than just the Whisper, but it allows you to set up uh, okay maybe I'm not attacking but I need I need this six or I need a, you know four or an eight for target numbers. You can put those exact cards on there. So if you need a four you're not randomly flipping and, oh, here's a 13, I just waited on something I needed a four on. So, so it allows that extra card economy to getting the the cards that you need exactly when you need them.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: so what do you have, James? What's your favorite?
0: No, I was just thrown off by you talking about Rezzers in a ball. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dirty Rezzers. No, as archivists I never talked about in a positive light. Mm.
0: Um, my favorite probably would be the savages. Thinking about it. Old Ways is another one of these mechanics. that is extremely powerful with high risk and high reward. So, there are some games where you'll just always have a high card when you want it. And you'll kill your whole crew uh, just by successfully defending every hit. uh, Because there's only so much healing. So, that's one where... Balancing it, your health versus, you know, how much damage you're going to take, the repercussions of getting certain Kandanya or something is really fun. And then on top of that, Euripides and both have intuition. Um,
1: that's a... It's nothing like getting that Red Joker on their last activation for your defensive mm. flip and then turning around and activating like Euripides to use that Red Joker to slam somebody in the face. Yep,
0: and uh, your opponent sees it coming and, you know and I just love how old ways really it affects so many thing crew even something minor like the totem uh, he can hit his bonus every single turn he is never gonna bloody because he can always old ways that bonus to make go off and then go stay an extra nice player <laughs> and those kinds of abilities need a tn to go off and a black joker will lose, lose you a point uh, that's not a problem for you <laughs>
1: Now, one thing that I should ask, uh, because I know for me it kind of does, but does the actual aesthetic of the crew also influence how you think about their abilities? Because I know I have favorite crews also based on just the aesthetics that they've designed around them, or the fluff they've designed around them. I mean, Masaki is one of those where I just really love the aesthetic and flavor of the crew, even though sometimes the the mechanic isn't great. Um, Do you have any... uh, crews along those lines that uh, you just go, you know, I really like this crew based on how the premise of the crew, like the performers. I know there's somebody out there who just loves the performers to death. Uh, they, they may not be the greatest mechanics right now in the game, but they still just love that crew and, and the whole fluff around them.
2: Uh, I would say that, for me that is, because I do love the whole aesthetics for the Pandora crew, and I always thought it would make a great nightmare uh our alternative sculpts for pandora crew it's adams family i think that you could make a pretty good adams family alternate crew for pandora but uh yeah i i love the aesthetics you know you got the lady who, who uh feeds off people's emotions and then you just have her creepy crew of young kids and and spooky ghosts and stuff like that i just i do love uh the aesthetics along with uh or mechanics.
1: What about you, James? Is it all still about the savages, or is there any other? Because I know you're never born.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about it. Or it.
1: Lucius. Like, what draw, draws you to Lucius all the time? Because you do play a lot of Lucius.
0: Lucius is kind of, a I think, a Rube Goldberg machine, and I think that's actually a pretty good thing to call Lucius because it feels like you're building the insane combo, and then it kind of just never happens. <laughs> for uh, various different reasons. And I don't think that's necessarily a fault of the developers, but thinking back, you know, I don't even know when Lucius first came out, but he was definitely around in second edition, and I think he came out in third edition. Gaming Grounds, he was probably really good, but uh, he struggles to keep more recent GG's, and I think that's a pretty natural thing to expect. A lot of crews, as new designs come out, designs kind of lose their... uh, Excitement, or you
2: know, viability, new- up to strength, up to snuff with the uh, new game grounds and uh, some of the new design space, and that you get in with these new uh, crews and masters.
0: Totally,
1: I mean, yeah, there is power. Group. That's actually one of the things I know we were going to talk about, so I guess we might as well dive into it a little bit. But sure. it is something that is inevitable. Uh, there's only so much design space out there, so I, I guess diving into it more. There is eight factions in the game right now with more than 8 masters technically perfection now cuz there's damien out there only so many abilities and only so many things that can affect what is effect uh, essentially uh, a numbers game when it comes down to things yeah. you move attack or interact uh, in different ways uh so i i mean i think overall they do an amazing job trying to keep everything fair and balanced as best as possible you know, there's testers out there that that, uh, really try to help out and do their best. And not everything's perfect when it hits there. But power creep will happen just because of design space limitations. You have to think of something new. And sometimes thinking, or most times thinking of something new that hasn't been done means you go beyond the basics. You go beyond the initial stuff, which might be pretty even. So then you got to get into those wacky things that could end up being way over the top. Or adding additional things on top of what used to already be out there to make it something new. Um, I know we have seen that they do like to correct it, so shout out to them. Like It's an ongoing process, and I think especially why I'm talking and kind of going on this pedestal preach here about this is with Damien coming out and some of these new things that we've seen with the title Masters, there's always this call out that it's power creep and it might be a money grab to, to... you know have us buy new things well this isn't another game system that comes out with a whole new book that you have to buy for 90 dollars. this is Malafo. and like i said there's only so much design space and they do want the game to be interesting and cool and you know they love their game too as much as i love the game so i think we have to look at that before we just say hey you're increasing power of in this game you know you're making everything else new better everything else is falling away but they're definitely making efforts to go back and make sure the old masters that everyone loves are playable. Yoko too, Yoko went and got a rework after she wasn't working and they've, they've put that effort in. So shout out
2: to them, even though there's a lot of negativity around it. Well, and to add on to what you said, yeah, I do think power creep, because you're adding the new mechanics in, you can't just keep building on the old ones is going to be inevitable. Now, Is it inevitable because of them doing it on purpose? Absolutely not. I don't think that's the case. I don't think they're going, oh, you know, we're going to make these models better, so everyone's going to want to go out and buy the new shiny so that they can, uh, you know, go out and uh, noobstown people and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, there is going to be power creep. Now, also, too, I think where you, especially when the new stuff comes out, is where you get people calling power creep, and it might be a little bit of a, premature on it is also to in Malfo the first time you ever face a master and you have no idea what they're doing 9 times out of 10 unless you're just that much better player than the other person is you're probably going to get uh, curb stomped uh, kind of like uh, when I played uh, against Damien 2 um, not only is, and I'm not saying that Damien 2 is or is not power creep, but this is the first time I had seen him on the table, and I was playing a better player, and I got curb stomped playing my best master. And so you're, that's going to happen. I remember when 3E came out, everyone was saying, oh, Jacob Lynch, he's OP. He needs to be nerfed. Well, because he won the first tournament that I believe was public knowledge when 3E came out. So, And I don't think anyone's saying that Jacob Lynch is OP or anything like that. So. Yes, is there going to be power creep? Yes, but I think that some people uh, get a little overly excited about it when it comes out new because it's going to be tough the first one or two times you play against it and you just got to go, well, is this power creep or is this just something I have not faced before and now I have to figure out how to beat it because I think people who just scream to the sky, oh, it's power creep, it's power creep, maybe... And you know, I don't know these people. I'm not casting judgment on anyone. But is it power creep, or is it that you just haven't wanted to put the time and investment in finding out how that, how to beat that crew? It's just you know, it's inevitable in the game when new stuff comes out that there's going to be power creep, and also people are going to cry power creep when it's maybe not really there. They're just facing something for the first. And to jump on what you said, Scott. Now Jacob Lynch,
1: the original version is. Thought of as a master, even
2: though he hasn't changed at all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: So it sounds like, Scott, you're saying get good.
2: No, I'm (laughs) not saying get good uh, because I don't get good that much. Um, Yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) Just just because you get curb stomped by something doesn't mean it's power creep. You know, that's uh, one of the things I love about this community is that you get podcasts to talk about it, you know then um, they get people on there and talk about a master. And nine times out of ten, they say, okay, well, then this master sounds unbeatable. How do you beat it? So, I mean, like me, I when I get into a game, I totally immerse myself in the game. I listen to the podcast. I watch the YouTube. And granted, you know, not everyone has the spare time I have to do something like that. But there is those tools and information out there that if you want to look if and you don't want to spend the time to find out yourself or maybe you don't have the time you know maybe you see something at a tournament you get beat and no one in your area plays it there is the tools out there to get the information on how to beat something assuming that it's not just power creep and it's op i
1: mean uh, i will admit i did say this when i was doing my part that yes there are things that get out there that end up being really strong but i'd rather keep weird coming up with these new fresh ideas and having one slip through the track so we have to deal with it for three months then then not because i love the new ideas you know i it keeps the game fresh for someone who's played it this game for a while now and i've played lots of other tabletop games unless you can come up with those new item things the game does get boring you can't play it. i mean that's why we're on gg3 right now you know you have to innovate and keep the game fresh. And like I said, I think a shout out to Weird and everyone involved in the back of it all, that that many models that are all distinct and that that many crews that are out there right now, overall, an amazing job keeping this ship pretty tight from top to bottom. Uh, you know, there isn't usually big gaps. And if there are those outliers, there is active talks about well, when can we bring those in and how fast should we deal with it you know I I have a feeling they do that because things do get changed and and it's not like you wait and it just stays there forever
0: do we need to just give a blanket buff to all neverborn? these are the questions I
2: agree to that
1: (laughs) I think we just need to give a buff to all Neverborn players here in the Midwest area
2: Oh, that's not
1: to not to all the rest of you, but maybe my metas. Uh,
2: that sounds more like a get good than uh, what I said. <laughs> yeah, to very specific people. Uh, wow, I feel attacked.
1: Uh, that might have been directed at maybe some, maybe Scott. I don't know. <laughs>
2: uh, I'm throwing down the gauntlet um, the next time we're at Dragon's Roost, there, buddy.
1: Uh, that's fine with me. Um, speaking of GG and keeping things fresh, though, we have. Just in Mark 3, uh, I know some of you didn't play uh, before Mark 3, but in all of our times uh, in Malifaux, is there a strategy that you have enjoyed and will keep enjoying, or a, one of the new ones that uh, you find to be just like your favorite one? Has the most interaction, or you just like the fluff behind it, or uh, just either way? I mean, I'll start off to say that I actually really enjoy uh, The Carve the Path, one of the newest ones. I know it's a a remake of an old one, but while it does detract a little bit from certain models, this GG, like the Don't Mind Me models, every crew can do it. Uh, It allows you to bring and go wide with a lot more minions that you normally wouldn't bring. You don't have to go super elite. And it is very interactive. You can interact with your opponent's markers. They can interact with yours. Um, It can get killy. It can go in a lot of different ways. Uh, depending on how your opponent's playing and what kind of crew you bring, so to me, carve a path. Uh, which we hear say push the plow, and there's other oh, people that call it different things. But I think those nicknames are all great because, overall, to me, it's the favorite
2: strategy I have. Even even going back through all the GGS. Well, I'd say my favorite strategy, and I'm probably gonna get uh, shit on on this, but mine is symbols of authority. I know there's a lot of people out there who. Have, this
1: is personal preference. A so, lot I mean, of a lot of strong
2: have feelings about this uh, strategy, <laughs> but I like it um, because I think it gets some people out of the uh, "I'm going to kill and then score later." I was not saying that that's not a viable strategy, especially depending on the schemes involved, but. It's a little bit less so. And
1: especially since you play Neverborn.
2: Hey, I don't play just the killer crews in Neverborn. But I, I, I that's why I like it. It it, it's, it calls typically into bringing in some little bit different crews than just uh, beat face and stand in a place and uh, tell someone to come at me, bro. But, yeah, that is my favorite one. Uh, and I know that I'm definitely in the minority there, but, oh, well. Come at me, bro. Hey, I don't
1: judge... I played Thunders back in the day, so I just put Desper in and said I win.
2: And, which is viable, but then also, too, if you don't have a backup plan and the person knows, oh, Desper, oh, that's the guy who's going to score their strategies, then, uh, then that's when, you know, Nikima comes up and uh, punches you in the face, and uh, now you don't have Desper anymore.
0: Or
1: True, he, he, he did fold like a, a wet paper bag a lot of
2: times. Yes, he did. Well, so,
0: but, I remember uh, another so, time where Euripides teleported. Tried to punch Desper and didn't hit him at all, and then Desper stole all my soul stones. So, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Desper
1: oh does love, and I think that was actually when I was playing him in Explorers, mm-hmm. and I had Ava lock down Euripides so he couldn't do anything <sighs> and steal all his stones with Desper.
0: That was not a fun game. That was an NPE burn. <laughs> you would think sorry, that Desper sorry, couldn't steal
2: know. Euripides' uh, soul stones. His pockets are too high; can't reach him. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: They're just filled with entrails, so he just sorted through all of that, got in there, and got those stones.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. So, James, what's, what's your favorite strategy, James?
0: Well, it's kind of a boring, vanilla person, but I like Turf War. The more I played Turf War, the more depth I... Uh, and it is a really simple strategy to explain to a person. You walk up and you interact... Uh, killing things and unflip the marker but you can't score by killing so you need a certain combination of tanky models mobile models uh and i think going either super aggressive and going all into your enemy's quarter or staying on your quarter and just tanking it out in a bubble were both pretty viable options um i don't think it was good for non-fighting use probably (laughs) but uh yeah, I, I always really like that
1: one, and that was. Well, I mean, if you had enough defensive tech, you didn't really need to kill your opponent. You just had to be able to be mobile enough to not die to lose your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you were highly mobile too, you could just flip yours, hop out of your whole area, and yeah. say, "Well, you can't kill me in this zone anymore." So mm-hmm. I'm going to just keep it, unless you come all the way across the board to grab it.
2: Yeah. Yep, yeah, um, that that is one I like, not as much as symbols, but it was okay.
1: It is good, and it's. I think the only reason really that went out is just because it lasted so long. I mean, we technically had it across more than one GG.
2: And I think it's been in at least two.
1: It was around for a long time. Yeah. I think, reg initially zero and one. I think, and then it was out in GG two. Yeah. So it was around for a while for a reason because it was good.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yep.
1: Uh. Are there any uh, specifically schemes now? Because we've had a lot of different schemes. And you can even do holiday ones if you found one that you like. But are there any
2: schemes that you always just enjoy being in the pool? I mean, I have the ones I like to see, especially with the crews I've been playing here of late. But I wouldn't say any that I particularly am overly fond of. Um, (laughs) I would say probably right now, uh i've been enjoying leave your mark because uh some of the masters i've been practicing on have uh just stupid easy ways to get markers in specific spots without having to take Interax. and so that's probably one i've been taking a lot of here of late but it's not i don't fall in love with it not not at <laughs> all i guess uh the reason i bring it up is just
1: uh, for me, there's certain schemes that are in there that I love to see because they can completely change up how a scenario is played. So you have a strategy that might be extremely strategy uh, or schemey, But then if you throw something like assassinate and this is coming from a, a warmer Hordes player who that was always in the table uh, to kill the opponent's master that you know it, it brings that depth in to a game that might only be, all scheming but now you're gonna throw Vendetta or an Assassinate in so while the strategy is scheming the schemes can flip it around so I guess maybe I don't have like a favorite scheme but just I love the fact that they can change the strategy up and how the whole thing is played so they're never the same which I think is a great job and shout out to Weird overall for that and to all the people who run tournaments and curate those pools perfectly so that they do those type of options um Shout out to you as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, is was the perfect example of that I couldn't really think of because yeah, that really warps uh, what is viable.
1: I mean, there have been some misses possibly on like schemes. Uh, I don't remember what it was called, but the triangulation one, runic binding, but yeah, runic binding. But I mean, <laughs> again, there were still a few it was crews that did it
0: super well, like it was unfair, <laughs> uh, and
1: but, it it. It changed things up. I mean, mm-hmm. you gotta have those that they're they're trying. So not everything's a winner.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. If you're if if you're not failing, you're not probably trying hard enough.
0: Yeah. You know, like some well, people. Some
1: of us don't fail that often. Mm-hmm. I guess I need
0: to try harder. You do. <laughs> well, I was gonna
1: make. No, I it... I definitely do fail a lot. It's okay.
0: It's it's better than winning all the time. Uh, that feels like so. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I will say there was a short time that I did win a lot, but there was a lot of newer players around. And i was say it doesn't actually feel good all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, things get boring. And when you're really just trying to build the meta, which you do, you don't want to win all the time. So you got to let other
2: people have fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, so uh, next, uh, uh, Aradas. Um, yes. The thing that Weird
1: does to keep everything balance
2: so so my, my i am two opinions on this so i'm going to separate erratas from faqs i think faqs they should be coming out more often just to answer those uh, you know frequently frequently a- asked questions you know i think they i think in 2e they had them out every six months i think that's what they should go back to you know if at, if at all possible I think once a year. Um, so that way you avoid uh, knee-jerk reactions on models. Uh, I know they have done those, like with uh, McMorning 2. They came up with one on him real quick. Uh, and that was, that was actually kind of a FAQ and an errata on that. But I think errata should be probably kept to once a year. Um, and if at all possible to avoid the new models until they you know have had time to settle and stuff like that but here lately with just all the new stuff you know with the second wave of masters coming out um i don't think everything has settled yet and now we're going to be coming out with a whole new set of masters so right now i think uh that it, at least it feels to me that it's kind of like the i don't know the cart is rolling down the hill it's just getting faster and faster and faster so maybe they need to do it more than once a year for Aradas, but I I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't, honestly, I don't think it's a good thing. Like I said before, uh, the needs of things needs to settle on that. But FAQs definitely, I think, should be coming out at least twice a year. Uh, I'm I agree with
1: you on a, on a lot of points, Scott. Uh, I know right now there is a lot of change ever since you know the dual masters happened. The game has kept changing a lot and especially with how life has impacted with covid and the actual release of the physical models it just seems like well things get delayed and then we get new stuff and then things compound um i actually do think faqs should come out more often uh because there are a lot of debates sometimes on how things go i mean i know i understand that uh i i listened to the actual interview with the developers that was on another podcast and you know they don't like to do it immediately because once they say something, it is final. But I think maybe every four uh, quarterly, uh, just to answer some questions that come up, even if it's like just one thing that really has been you know on debated among the community for a while, uh, you know, two to four times a, a year wouldn't be bad for an FAQ just to answer those questions. For Errata, oh, yeah. we broke and it that's... separately. like you said with the
2: developers, uh, that's why they don't say anything on the forums to answer people's questions because they want to do it in an organized fashion. You know, they just, if someone just answers a question on a forum and then it's like, oh, this is what they said and then no one else sees it or mentions it, you know, then it it can kind of get buried in all the comments depending on what what topic uh, it, it is under. But yeah, I think, Answering questions on the forum it definitely would be a bad idea. I think keeping an organized FAQ that so that everyone has the opportunity to see it as opposed to someone's question being answered on a forum. I think that is definitely the way to go.
1: Yeah, uh, I also agree. Um,
0: yeah, and one thing just kind of as a developer's idea here, here, uh, <clears throat> I do think changing the rules takes time naturally for humans to process. So kind of the example for this is, there was a mechanic in second edition or edition where, if I was gonna summon, I could get rid of one of my. Or no, this must have been early. You could get rid of one of your past tokens rather than your opponent's past. And that was changed. I, yeah, obviously, I don't even remember how long ago. But uh, I think that was I in cor- the
2: third edition beta. I think that's what that was.
0: Yeah, probably. But uh, I corrected. One of my buddies, probably a month ago, that that is no, that is not a thing. There's nowhere in the rules that says you can do. But you know, with when you do too many erratas in FAQs, sometimes keeping keeping everything in your head gets more difficult. Just as the rule book and this other document get more far and far apart, you know. Especially as a new player, sometimes learning those distinctions are really tough. So it would be great if they could <laughs> do it more. But yeah, I I definitely understand where. The,
1: uh, that's actually uh, where I was gonna start to go. I lived through the War Machine days, where they had—I forget what it's what it's called—but uh, it started to get into a point where they were rolling out new rules every month. On and like, oh, this is in uh, errata now. This is in errata. This is an.... like every month, things were changing, and you couldn't tell what rules were actually being played. You know, you'd go into a tournament things would change just before it happened uh and it it became a hot mess and that's one of the reasons why i stopped playing that as much i still have my stuff i still do enjoy playing it even though now it's switching to a whole different uh they're going to mark four um so we'll see how that goes but i do think erratas can if they're done too much can definitely kill a game because like i said if the players don't really know what's going on it doesn't do anyone any good um I do think they're great. I'm glad that we have the app, and DZ, shout out to you for uh, making sure that things get updated and keeping that up and going. Um, And we have all of that at our fingertips, and thankfully, when they do drop stuff, it's automatically changed. Like, he's got that, so the app loads, new changes are in there. So whenever you're looking at the the app, things are. And then they also put out the cards that you can get for pretty cheap. You know, you can go on and get the reprinted cards to... If you like it to be a physical player, to have them. And all that information is available to update really quickly. Um, So, yeah, I mean, to me, twice a year is probably good for Arata. Just because we are getting to the point where there's a ton of models in this game. And if you do want to see good things happen and bad things happen as necessary, or if you want to see those reworks for some of the older models, once a year for me is probably too little. Um, because you'd have to end up all of a sudden get this huge red, and so many things would change. But if you split that up in like two, you know, that's probably good. I know I can handle two times a year things kind of changing. Yeah, especially if they end up dropping a new GG or something at the same time, so you know, like that's a reset. Re look at everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I... the app really has done wonders for the game refronts, and yeah, you know, we really can't understate how much DZ has done for the community just working on the app. The matchmaking experience crew building uh, how you can basically roll up the entire game and strategies and schemes and looking at the rules is totally wild and I think even I take that for granted sometimes because I've loaded up the second edition I don't know if you have you've done that recently but uh, uh, yeah I used
2: it when I was playing in the second edition it's uh
0: it's a different thing it's,
2: yeah it's like comparing old TV in a big huge box t- to uh, the new uh tvs it's it's the new one is light years ahead of the old one <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> it's old gen uh gaming consoles versus new gen gaming consoles. exactly
0: yeah and that one was great at the time too but that that's been totally huge just growing the community in the area being able to that is is awesome
1: and and just off the top of my head while i'm thinking about this because i brought this up about how other gaming companies have mass amounts of money you have to pay for the rules yes. i just want to say thank you to weird because i will still be buying your stuff even if i did pay some for these rules because i know there are over costs but keeping the game enjoyable and not at a huge expense so thank you for not charging us 60 dollars for every rule book
0: yeah, it really does... It's one of those... It's one of the few examples where it seemed... The game almost seems too good to be true in many senses. Uh, the cost point, the amount of balance there is, the amount of variety there are just inside a single fact, uh, the lore, the number of podcasts that exist, the the level of competitive play there is...
1: Uh, and that's just the great people that are in our community.
0: Yeah, we have the best community. It's, it's really... It, you keep, keep keep waiting for the buck to stop, and it just keeps rolling. Uh, I guess that's why why we do the podcast. We love the game.
1: <laughs> I I definitely agree, um, Scott. Do you have any, I guess anything there before we kind of go into just random things yet about why we love the game and what maybe cool things we'd still love to see added as a little shout out to say, hey, developers, you're doing great, but you know,
2: these things could be cool. Um. I mean, since I am near boomer status and I don't know computers too well, <laughs> um, I don't. And maybe they do this. I don't really look at the digital rules that much, but it, if they could interject the FAQs into the rule book in some sort so that if a new – especially for the new players, if they're going through the book looking at the rules and stuff like that and it's like, oh, okay, this is – here's how this is supposed to work in the FAQ with it, you know. So I don't you know I don't know how much work would be involved in something like that but I think that would especially for the newer players would be uh, a really good uh, boon to them to say okay well this is how the rules work and this is the way we do it and then they go play with someone maybe more experienced like well yes yeah, that's how it is in the book but if you go to you know the second page of the FAQ this is how it actually works so that would be my only suggestion on something like that but yeah other than that yeah I agree 100% with you guys So yeah, moving forward then,
1: James, because we love this game, and I, I buy all the books and a lot of the fluff, and I think you have some of them too. Uh, is there anything from the fluff that you've seen or just uh, types of models that you think would fit into Malifaux or any type of master or crew that would just make you want to uh, full-on, like, yes, that's amazing. I don't care what it is, I'm getting it. Because I know like they previewed the clamps, and you're like, I'm getting that. That just looks cool as hell.
0: Um. Well, I'll admit I don't know that much of the lore, so I don't. I never have an idea what's coming. Um, and I guess I'm not creative. Like if
1: they dropped a dragon faction, uh, mm. would you think that was cool? I would. Uh, cool. Uh, <laughs> Everyone likes dragons.
0: Yeah, I guess I don't really have a good answer for that one, but I would say, um, whatever, whatever they've been doing for these for this expansion specifically. I don't know what changed necessarily, but every damn crew they have dropped for this expansion, I'm excited to play. Uh, And I'm a person who has been a Neverborn player forever. I'm never gonna leave Neverborn like some people, but um, these these new crews have all really impressed me to the point where I am literally gonna buy them as soon as they come out. The mechanics are so cool visual design is so cool uh, they really have have stepped it up somewhere uh, and i don't i'm very impressed well for me new the process. new
2: stuff that's coming out uh i'm just gonna stick to the one that came out with the purple and green i mean i do like the look of some of the models but especially the uh the, the red library models some of those are just uh one think what is it i think it's like the tiger coming out of the book or something like that that just the, the paper tiger yeah, i think yeah or no it's that oh my god so beautiful but uh i mean i d- don't have enough time to play everything i have right now so i don't think i'm going to diverge into a third faction or so i'm just going to get my uh, boy castor when it comes out um i'm really interested to hear the lore on everything. i I buy all the books because I love the lore, and I don't want to wait till the podcasts come out to hear the lore. So, I will be getting that. Uh, but yeah, that's, i mean, Grant. So, yeah, like I said, some of the models are looking great, but nothing really, nothing really wows me to leave uh, the two factions I play. And uh, fortunately, the new master is in both, is in both those factions I'll be playing. So, you know, win-win for me on that account.
0: Well, maybe, Brian, you maybe you had an idea for a response to that question since we both <laughs> Since I added it totally. this to
1: the list. <laughs> uh, I kind of did, but I also just, I wanted to go back to what you kind of said about how great the stuff is. Yeah. Um, another part that I wanted to bring up with it was just overall the variety of things they bring in. I mean, we have, uh, like, everything from, uh, you know, your cowboy westerns, and they do a lot of stuff to they just brought in a bunch of folklore from you know asian cultures that don't get a lot of representation um and things like that that they just bring into this game so i think they do a great job of really looking out there of what to draw influences of um i would say maybe if they could delve a little more into the viking type mythologies that are in there Because those are really cool with some of the mythology aspects of it. Um, I'd love to see that into some models that maybe come out. Um, So that was also something that I was like, yeah, you know, bring that in. Um, So I'm big on... Pause. Pause.
0: well, while, well we
1: we're going to have to cut that out for a second because that's when I blanked completely. No, that's okay. <laughs> that, that's what
2: editing is for. Um, well, while Brian's thinking, uh, now that you, i got to think about it a little bit more, I think maybe uh, if they want to delve into other mythologies, maybe uh, like an Aztec type thing, I think that would be pretty cool. Um, maybe not Lizardman Aztec, you know, like some other game, but... Uh, I think that would be uh, really cool uh, that they could delve into that. Um, I don't think there's anything like that out there in um, in Malifaux, so that w- I think that would be definitely some untouched mythology that uh, they could do. Unless maybe there is some, and I'm just not aware of it. I know they do have a lot of a lot of references that you know that they put in there, and there's no way you could get all of them. So well, that would be I think would be a really good one.
0: Yeah, another theme I thought of would be, like, more aquatic shit, because that's, like, my, my favorite stuff, and really understand why. But, like, horror-wise, uh, seeing you know, movies, anime, whatever. Stuff that's underwater with the, the kinds of creatures that are underwater are, are... So, kind of, really, anything from, like, the Gibbering Hordes, for example, in Malifa would be sick. They've already started doing that, and there are a couple of examples. Like, I have, uh, Spawn Mother over there, and... You know, like the Nakima Altbox is is a great example of maybe what I would like to see as its own thing, but EVS also is pretty great.
1: <laughs> I know that, uh, I, I guess I, I was still thinking, but now I'm kind of coming around because it's maybe not so much with uh, the actual like crew types and things, but and even if it's just for those flavorful uh, like holiday stuff, but having a uh, preset and I'm kind of going back to another other games I've played and if they could take a riff on like being able to bring in actual terrain pieces or something else to set something apart hmm. uh, like back before I left War hordes they got into well you can actually and actually fortica does this too but like you could bring fortifications or bunkers or you know these type of things that you once you place them that's where they are they cost you points uh, but they're a beneficial thing to your side of the crew that you would drop them in your deployment zone. They could be destroyed. The opponent can still interact with them. Um, uh, Just some more types of things that uh, could really affect the board state and bring on some different strategy. Uh, I think that would be kind of cool to to see because it did change that game up a lot and I don't know how you would implement it. This is just me saying, if you found a way, I think that would be cool.
0: Do you think that would be similar to how markers work right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you dropped... I mean, kind of in a way they did, like the Gatling Gunners that came out for Guild, mm-hmm. where they're placed on the board and they have that like in, uh, entrench or whatever ability yeah. where models within range get cover, while the Guild could literally just have a, a thing where you could spend a point it's uh, so like almost like an upgrade and then in your deployment zone drop like a sandbag wall you know yeah. make it a predefined size it'd be destructible terrain and all it does is it's a height one uh, little set or height two sandbag trench um, so or you could do it like a 30 or 50 mil marker that is literally a and I'm not a super war buff but those little pits that people hide in. <laughs> sorry i know what you that mean, i but really I, butchered I that but it, yeah. but yes so it could be the encircled uh, sandbag pit um and you know you could use a marker and if, if you're in there you just gain cover are you, are you talking so, about a foxhole
0: yes thank you yeah the old man bringing his knowledge although all, of, yeah, all those world, world war ii, II
2: podcasts knowledge. i listened to are paying off
1: yep, it back it back in your day when when <laughs> that was a thing
2: yeah, you would think back in my day the way my kids think how old I am.
1: <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, just things like that. They could they might and that's why I just was off the top of my head, but that was something that I, I thought was cool about some of the other games. So I don't know if that would work in Malafo, but it's just an idea that might be cool in the future.
0: Yeah, totally. I
2: agree. Well definitely, you know, another uh design space that they could go with that you actually buy terrain. Well, I mean, it's not too bad, especially for those crews like, you know, for instance, uh, Waldgeist. You know, obviously they bring their own, but if you spent maybe like a point or two to get more of uh, maybe not, not the underbrush marker, but just a marker you can put out for concealing terrain so that, you know, they could set up more of their uh, ability to use their ambush for free or uh, things like that. And yeah, I mean, I could definitely see something like that happening.
1: Top of my head, I'm going to interject because what would i like to see in malifo i'd love to spend money and give weird all my money for malifo measuring sticks Mm. give me like some design art on some cool measuring sticks to go with all the amounts of cards and decks that i buy
2: you've been hanging
1: out (laughs) with (laughs) derek too much no i mean i have them from previous games and i've always thought they were really cool like i have my Menoth faction from from war machine and having a thunders faction like when you lay them out on the table and then from you know 10 to 4 or 3 they look badass sitting on the table and I love looking at the art Mm. I think they have great artists and great sculpts and stuff too and it's cool
0: yeah yeah I'm sure it takes some of their time to do those kinds of design things but honestly they could put out way more things like fade decks or Like the little point-tracking... Now who's been
1: hanging out with uh, Zach too often.
0: (laughs) Or people who are just fans of the game make a ton of things. Like my box I have for all my cards, or uh, you know, all sorts of little things. Like HP trackers could be another. Uh, Or the tokens, I guess that's also there. There's a lot of things they could make that we would just buy off of. uh, And I would pay extra probably if it was a Malifaux product versus... Just random internet person.
2: But. Random Etsy uh, merchant. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, well, is there anything else we want to
1: talk about? I know this uh, was kind of a, a, an ode to the the back of the house uh, developing it that uh, everyone does, Matt and Kyle, and everyone back at Weird. Um, I just, before I'm done, just want to say a big thank you again because I love this game. Um, but do you guys have anything else to say too?
2: No, I think I think we did a good job covering it. You know, again, like you said, thanks for everyone at Weird for everything they do, and also all the content creators who uh, put stuff out there to keep me uh, entertained on my trip back and forth to work. Uh, all the other podcasters and YouTubers and bloggers and everything like that. I just appreciate every single one of the people who uh, are willing to put their uh, spare time and effort, you know, into doing this. You know, which can be time away from family and things like that so just appreciate it and the
1: vassal uh community i do play in vassal so thank you to the volunteers that help keep that up we didn't mention that earlier
0: yeah definitely like the the whole Malfo world series discord and organization they're all super amazing yeah i don't think i have any more compliments to hand out so i guess that's the end of the show (laughs) thanks for listening everybody uh if you have questions for us, definitely reach out at BreachBurn at gmail.com We don't get a lot of emails, but uh, we've gotten some feedback recently We're trying to make some adjustments, but uh, yeah, we love to hear from you
1: Yeah, let us know what your cool thought stuff is and, you know, what you really like because I we also love hearing that because, to be honest, we're in a little tiny area and we love just talking about the game, so reach out on Discord or any means, because We'll sit here and talk, and especially Zach will reach out to you and talk to you a
2: lot, because he loves just talk. Wow, Malathom, poor yeah. Zach's not
0: here to defend himself. It's <laughs> why vulnerable. Alright, well yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Catch you next time.